Hello, my magical friends. My name is Ayumi. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and you're listening to Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Whether it's your first or 22nd time listening, we welcome you to our space to celebrate magical girls from every corner of the world. How is everyone this week? It's been a little bit busy here and yet not busy enough. I'm doing a little bit every day art-wise and hopefully also working on some stuff for my own Magical Girl comics soon, which is very exciting. I will definitely be sharing more information as I can announce it in the future. And I've also been just watching a lot of stuff to get things started. Thank you for everyone who listened to my silly little watch-along of the first episode of Tropical Rouge Precure last week. I will definitely be doing this at minimum for any other first episodes of new upcoming shows when I can. Also, I am looking into some other things like movies, for example. I would really like to do watch-alongs for movies. I think that would be really fun. I already asked over on Twitter, but also if you have any ideas for what you would like to listen to in the future, you can let me know. There are lots of different movies. Of course, I will probably do some of the big ones that are coming out now in the future. Let's jump right into Magical Girl news. So as I mentioned, last week on Sunday, we got the first episode of Tropical Rouge Precure. As of right now, that's really the only sort of news that we have related to Magical Girls. I wanted to mention, just because I wanted to remind everyone, that when it comes to the podcast space itself, I will never reveal any spoilers. All the news is always going to be official releases and so on. So I say this because in the world of Tropical Rouge Precure, we already know a lot of stuff from leaks. So... This is where I get to talk about toy hacking. So for anyone who doesn't know, Pretty Cure, of course, is a children's series. And so there are toys that are released that correspond to the show. In the case of Tropical Rouge Precure, we have the Tropical Pact, which is the transformation item that is much like a compact, as in something you use with a mirror for, say, makeup. That's definitely part of the theme of this season, so it makes sense. And the thing about that is with each toy, there are always transformation things that go together. The way that it's done is basically the same with every toy. You have a series of smaller toys that, when put together, will initiate some certain voices. For example, you have Cure Summer's transformation ring. You can put it into the Tropical Pact and... A certain uh, sound will come out, which will probably be Cure Summer's transformation catchphrases. By the way, if you have not watched at least the transformation and attack, they are both pretty delightful. I love them a lot. (laughs) Just generally, I think this is going to be a very interesting season of Precure to get into. With that, I believe it's maybe uh, six different kind of more or less buttons. And so the different combinations will trigger different voices. And so someone has already done that in order to trigger new sounds that we didn't get before. And this is done pretty much every year. And so we call this toy hacking, right? It's just the toys that would trigger those noises don't exist yet or they haven't been released yet. So we cannot get that information yet. But upon doing this work, the right combination, they are able to trigger those voices. And so because of that, If you watch the video, which I will not link to, I'm not going to share it at all. But if you want to watch it uh, in that video, there is enough there to find out the name of the next Precure character. And there's also spoilers for the film. So I think I've mentioned before that it was already officially stated that the autumn movie for Precure, as there are always two a year, is going to be a Tropical Rouge Precure movie. And so, of course, people have been wondering if there's going to be an all-stars-like type film because traditionally with Precure, what we have every year is one movie of several seasons and one movie for the current season. But, of course, with everything that happened last year, there were a lot of changes that had to be made. By the way, of course, 
it is now March, March 2nd today, and March 20th is the release for the next Precure movie, the Healinga Precure movie, which is a it is a collaboration with Yes Precure 5, which I'm very excited for because to this day my favorite Precure is Cure Dream. Yes, I think that is everything to talk about this week that I can think of. Let's talk about what I have been watching. So again, Tropical Rouge Precure, of course. I did the watch along over the weekend. I did have some time to rewatch it as well. It was pretty interesting because I watched it live on television. And so there were also commercials and so on. Yes, so let's talk about the other things I have been watching because it is quite a lot. One thing I have been watching a lot of right now is Sweet Precure. So this is one of those things. I've been trying to watch a few episodes a day and it's been very fun. I watched the first episode a few months ago. So before that, I had actually not watched any Sweet Precure at all. But now I'm watching the whole season and it's really nice to watch it. So as of this week, I have gotten to the point where I now see all of the Cure characters. So all the characters have been revealed. Don't want to give any spoilers, but anyone who has watched the season knows what I'm talking about. And I'm very delighted with it because I like music. It, it was for a long time one of my favorite subjects. And I like the use of music as a theme in this season and the use of, you know, the power of harmony and love and all of that stuff. You know, all that usual great Precure goodness. I won't get into a lot of detail for that, but one thing I really have been enjoying especially is the way that they were hinting at the last Precure's identity before we met them. So that was really fun. Let's see, I am also watching a little bit of Magical Girl Ore, which could not be more different from Precure. So for anyone who doesn't know, we have mentioned it a little bit in our Magical Boys episode, but Magical Girl Ore or Maho Shoujo Ore is a parody Magical Boy series of sorts. It's also a little bit different from other Magical Boy series because it features girls who transform and when doing so they become men. And of course, when we talk about it on the podcast, we'll get into more detail about it, but it's a very silly show. I would say that Episode 5, without giving any spoilers, is probably one of the most strangest meta pieces of fiction I've seen in a long time, but it was very entertaining. And just generally, I'm always laughing, so that's good, right? I have been watching Shugo Kyara Doki, which is the second season of Shugo Kyara. So I watched the first season a long time ago, around when it was airing, I believe. But not in full, because Back at that time, it was a little bit more difficult to get stuff, legally speaking, but I had watched bits and pieces here and there. Luckily, the first two episodes, I believe, of Doki give you a full breakdown of all the important bits and pieces to know about the first season in case you missed anything, which is very helpful. I've been watching a few episodes every day of that. I think about two or three, and it's really cute. I'm intrigued by new characters. One thing that I have been thinking about a lot, not just for magical girls, but just fiction in general that I'm consuming from Japan, is looking at how half Japanese characters are treated. From my own memory, and I'm sure that there have been other examples out there, but this is the first time that I have seen a half Japanese character who is a villain. So that's interesting. So I've been thinking about that a lot. Because we have been getting a lot of Tokyo Mew Mew news, and because I have been able to watch it again, I decided to just rewatch because I have watched it before, the first episode of Tokyo Mew Mew. So I read the entire comic back in the day, but I never watched the full animated adaptation. So I'm really looking forward to watching it a bit more. <laughs> it's going to be fun. But I only watched the first episode of that. Yeah, it brought back a lot of memories. It was very fun to watch. Of course, we were able to get last week the reveal of the new design, which is based on the new design of the comic, Tokyo Mew Mew Return. It's a very cute design, right? But for me, it's a little on the spiky side. And I know that especially when we look at series like Precure and so on, that 
These days, magical girls have a lot of detail, which is fine, you know. But I actually really enjoy the more simple costumes at times. Not just because they're easier to make if you cosplay them and easier to draw, but sometimes simple is good. I was such a big Tokyo Mew Mew fan back in the day that I memorized the character designs of all the characters and would just draw them all the time, I guess by high school. So I'm very used to those designs and I really like them a lot. Of course, I'm still going to enjoy the new and improved Tokyo Mew Mew, but there's a softness that's missing there that I miss a little bit, you know, the fuzziness of the original designs. So I, well, for one thing, I actually recently drew a picture of Mew Mint, but also just watching the original series is nice and nostalgic. So there's that. Uh, finally, I decided to check out for the first time the very first episode of the very first girls heroine series, Miracle Tunes, or you can say Idol Warrior Miracle Tunes or Idol Heroine Miracle Tunes. The Senshi part gets translated differently depending on who you ask. But Miracle Tunes is basically an idol magical girl show. This one actually has an adaptation in Italy, which I really want to watch sometime. But for now, I was able to watch the first episode in the original Japanese version, and it was very interesting. It's very different because it's like a Tokusatsu series, so. I would say that the intention is also going to be very different there because you have these younger actors. Still, it was a very good time. I really enjoyed the character designs, especially of the villains. They were really, really funny. I think the pirate one is my favorite design because it's just so over the top and absurd. I generally am excited to continue to watch this series in the future. So right now, because I am kind of more focused on series I'm going to be watching for the podcast and so on. I think once I can figure out, you know, dividing up my time to watch these other things, I'm going to be enjoying those as well. I think I'm probably going to end up watching the movie for the current season, which is Love, Paterina. This is the police officer magical girl series, which always sounds kind of odd to say out loud, but uh, still it has cute designs and there's a rabbit, so it should be interesting. So I'm planning to watch that movie and kind of compare it to the Precure movie a little bit because these are both uh, Toei-created series and things. I think it's Toei, I'm pretty sure. And also that is a series that had a lot of delay because of COVID-19, so we'll see what happens. Yes. Okay, I think that is everything I've watched, which means we can go ahead and talk about today's topic. So today we have a creator episode, and this one is going to be a little bit different in feeling, I think. Of course, I don't expect all my guests to have listened in full to my podcast or anything like that, but I do think there are some interesting small things that probably sound a little strange in the conversation, and I think it's mostly because of the fact that there is a lack of background information that I thought was clear, but I guess was not, including the fact that I am a Japanese person. I guess you'll hear about why that's going to be relevant later. We are talking today with War Bunny, or Serena, and she is the writer of the Magical Girl series, Magical Girl Academe, which can be currently read on Webtoons. Previously, it was on its own website as a comic. And this one is also a group collaboration she talks a little bit about that and how she got started writing. So I, for one thing, due to the nature of both this comic and her own story, life story, we do talk a bit about homophobia. So I just wanted to give a warning for that, but don't worry, in the end it's all good. And also I wanted to mention, because members of War Bunny's team are living in Venezuela, which is currently dealing with a lot of hardship. So I left a link in the show notes for anyone who would like to help with that situation to donate money and so on. Um, there are a few different things that you can do. I know that things are really tough right now, but things are really, really tough over there. So I just wanted to mention that as well. Yeah, so that is very interesting. That is something that is more of their story than her story. So 
I wanted to leave that to maybe someday talk to them as well. I think that would be very interesting. But still, you know, it's interesting to have these international productions. Speaking of which, another very interesting thing about this episode is that they have their own music, which is very rare for an original Magical Girl series that's online. But that was really great. And I got permission to use that music. And there is a link to listen to the full theme online on YouTube. It's called Unbreakable. And it's by Rigel Theater. I might be mispronouncing that name. It's a whole vibe. So there's that. Another thing about this talk. So I think generally it's very good. And, you know, we're talking about something that comes up a lot and will definitely come up in future creator episodes. This need to fill a space in the magical girl world that wasn't being filled properly, right? So in this case, this is going to be talking primarily about the space for stories about gay magical girls that are actually gay. What I mean by that is, um, it's something that we mentioned a little bit in the chat itself, but there is a common issue in not just magical girls, but in lots of fiction of something that we often call queer baiting. So just for anyone who doesn't know, queer baiting is when a work of fiction suggests that a character or characters are gay or otherwise, you know, LGBTQIA plus one of those, but doesn't actually say outright that they are a member of that group. So for those of us who are in that group, it can be very frustrating to enjoy series but not get things said so explicitly. So luckily, there are lots of webcomics that do explore this pretty outright, and Magical Girl Academe is one of those. So this is a series that's very interesting because, uh, and this chat is very interesting because I do think that her side and her story is something that can be enjoyed by many. But I'm going to just give a small caveat that there are some things that I did not like about the series, but all in all, I think that it's going to be very good for most people to enjoy. So um, I just wanted to say that just in case you read the comic and you come to the same conclusion I do. I think that, you know, just like with every Magical Girl series, there is no way in the world that any one person is going to like all Magical Girls. Um, in terms of how they're written and so on. So yeah, that's the only thing. And I don't think that it's going to take away from the overall importance of a story like this, because I think that this is an important story for her to get out there. And it's an important story for some to read. Just in case anyone wants to mention, you don't have to tell me, I know there's a half Japanese character in Yes Precure 5. We don't talk about it in this, but as you listen, I'm sure that you'll understand what I mean when I say that as a caveat to this. Anyway, I still think overall, again, that this is a very interesting conversation and it's just another side to Magical Girl fans. And some of this is going to be things that will come up in future episodes for sure uh, as we talk to more creators, especially. So yeah, with that, I hope you enjoyed this chat with War Bunny or Serena about Magical Girl Academe. So for today, we're going to be talking to another Magical Girl creator. So can you please introduce yourself? Uh, my name is War Bunny, and um, I like Magical Girls. <laughs> Great. And what are your pronouns? Oh, as she and her. Great. So uh, we're here to talk about your, should we just call it a webtoon now, I guess? Magical Girl Academe. Uh, you could call it a webcomic or a webtoon. It's it's kind of the same, but yeah. right now it's a webtoon. <laughs> so before we get into that story itself, War Bunny, what is your history with Magical Girls as a genre? Oh, geez. I remember when I came home from school and they started showing anime on the TV. And I was like, wow, this is cool. I think it was early Toonami. Whenever they first started showing Sailor Moon, 
and I got really excited. I was like, wow, this is cool. This is great. I like the voice actor. That's very funny. And I went to go buy a VHS tape of it. Yeah, VHS tape. I'm not telling you how old I am, but that'll give you a clue. And the funny thing is they didn't, I mean, it, it was it was a pink tape that was all sparkly and glittery. And I'm like, yeah, I like this. This is great. <laughs> and uh, from there, I went to um, various other series um, and I found enjoyment in them, like uh, Precure and uh, Nanoha. So would you say that Nanoha did come first. So was that like your next big magical girl series after Sailor Moon? Yeah, um, I would say that. Yeah, Nanoha. Um, I got really big in the Nanoha. And as a matter of fact, it's it's one of the things that inspired me to make this comic to begin with. The only thing I didn't like about Nanoha was the, the, the fan service. Mm, yeah, yeah. We haven't talked about Nanoha very much yet on the podcast, but uh, it is a kind of interesting franchise because it is one that is a spinoff of an erotic game. So that already puts it at a very different place than a work for kids like Sailor Moon. But that's very interesting, though. Have you watched the entire series? I, I mean, I know there's like a spinoff still going now, but... Well, first off, I had no idea it was based off of a neurotic series, but that answers a lot of questions. Because, <laughs> um, you know, I was like, oh, cool, magical girl transform. Oh, God, it's a little girl and she's she's naked. What? No. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, geez, yeah, that was something else. I've watched... uh. Uh, the original Nanoha, then Nanoha A's, which comes after that, then Nanoha Strikers. I, I haven't seen all of Vivio, but I've seen all the movies. And I watched a little bit of Vivio Strike, and I just couldn't couldn't watch it. It was just like, okay, this is this has nothing to do with the original show. I don't like it. Interesting. Can I ask a bit more about like why you liked Nanoha despite the fan service? Well, um, it was something I hadn't seen. Like I originally saw Precure, like the original Precure with uh, Nagisa and Honoka. And what I loved about Precure was it wasn't just you know Sailor Moon. I'm going to shoot you with sparkles. It was high impact like fighting but also like moments where the girls are very graceful whenever they fight and stuff like that mm -hmm. and i was like wow this is real this is a really cool kind of mixture of things it was like dragon ball z meets sailor moon and i was like this is cool i like this mm. and when i saw nanaha and then eventually she started doing like these huge sparkling like shooting beams and stuff like that i was like yeah, I think this is my jam. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. But what really drew me into it mostly was the relationship between Nanoha and Fate. I really, mm -hmm. really loved the chemistry the two of them had. And you don't know how many times I've cried, like watching the end of season one. Just like, yeah. That's, mm. yeah. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I've only watched a little bit of the series. We will be definitely getting to that. Uh, at a later date and so I, I really appreciate hearing from a fan of the series because as you said there's a lot of fan service so it's very off-putting for a lot of people I think mm -hmm. uh, especially if we're used to the kids magical girl series so so you said you liked the original Fudariwa Precure so in terms of Precure have you watched a lot of the other seasons? I've seen Smile Precure when I was stationed in Japan and I bought a lot of merch when I was in Japan and um uh go go Precure uh yes Precure 5 go go yes Cure Rouge she was my fave <laughs> she's pretty cool Cure Sunny is my other favorite Cure oh she's great too yeah <laughs> do you appreciate like fire based cures then based on that well, I like their their personalities first and foremost, which is kind of interesting because her personality is very much like fire. So, <laughs> mm, 
Yeah. I don't know. I I really like the uh the very tomboyish cares. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Both of those characters are very fiery. I mean, passion is part of the main idea behind most fire-based precure characters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty cool. So you've seen a few of them. That's interesting. But yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, let's move on to talking about Magical Girl Academe. So so first, I guess, looking at your development process. So you were originally making this as a webcomic on your own website, but... Last year, you decided to make the switch over to Webtoons. So can you talk a bit about that? Well, it was more of a decision I had to make. Like, uh, okay, cool. You know, I did advertise around for the webcomic. And I was able to see, like, the stuff that went into it. And then I just saw the webtoons itself i did a lot of research and a lot of shopping around and i was like okay this webtoons thing looks like i can reach a bigger audience and people can i mean not really easily find my comic because there's just a myriad of stuff but you know the one thing that people kept asking me when i was running the site hey when are you gonna put this on webtoons are you gonna put this on webtoons how about webtoons and i was like you know what i might i might put this on webtoons Hmm. and that's where we've been ever since. So, yeah, it's very interesting. Of course, there are very different. And actually, one thing I appreciated, um, I had first started reading Magical Girl Academe as a webcomic on the website. And I did really enjoy that you had some panels and pages that were actually a little animated. I thought that was very cute. Yeah. That was yeah. a nice feature. But, uh, yeah, I definitely understand there is an, an increased accessibility using webtoons and I think especially because that's the new thing that everyone's using on their phone in particular uh -huh. to read comics. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I also looked at it from a a demographic standpoint and I looked at how many PC users compared to phone users accessed the website mm. and the amount of people that use their phones to access the webcomic on the website was just far beyond the PC users. So I was like, you know what, I might as well. Make the mm. switch to webtoons. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So for anyone who hasn't read Magical Girl Academe yet, what would you say that this story is about? Well, Magical Girl Academe is about a girl who really likes magical girls, like, you know, you and me. Mm -hmm. She really loves this one magical girl and is very passionate about this one magical girl named Sugar Plum Fairy. And... You know, you remember how uh, Sailor Moon would have a Sailor Moon set, you know, at the end of every episode? Yeah, yeah. In the English dub, they had that. Yeah. Yeah, those uh, those PSAs, you know, like, hey, do your homework, you know, <laughs> mm. listen to your parents. The anime that uh, the main character Tori watched, that anime had the same thing. So Tori takes all of these... Uh, I'm just going to call it Sugar Plum Fairy Says. And she takes everything that Sugar Plum Fairy Says and uses it as her Bible and moral compass. And ends up, you know, trying to be the best person she can because she really loves this, this magical girl. So Tori is, you know, progressing through life and is getting close to graduation. She is 18. And all of a sudden she's visited by someone and is offered powers to, in order to become a magical girl herself and so tori gets these powers and she learns really quickly that being a real life magical girl is nothing like being an anime magical girl there's a whole <laughs> bunch of differences hmm. and it's basically tori figuring out her powers and and meeting other people along the way and how she interacts with them yeah, I definitely see, um, at least from what I've read so far, that we are getting a lot more of this expanded world of magical girls that uh, Tori herself hasn't actually interacted with yet. So that's really exciting and interesting. There's a lot of mystery and intrigue and so on. <laughs> I do want to say that whenever you first read the first like number of episodes... Uh, as we get to a certain point, I'm going to start peeling away layers and show that there is a lot more to the world than just some monster of the week kind of thing, 
you know, there's there's a whole lot more going on beneath the surface. Yeah. Oh, I just remembered. So I think it's in, I guess when it's, um, when she first gets visited by the mascot who would give her her powers, that there are definitely some references to other darker Magical Girl series. <laughs> so I was kind of wondering about that, like if that was a kind of response to those Magical Girl series, like a, I guess Magica it is. or something like that. Yeah, it is. I, I wanted to point out the, the references. Um, there's a reference to Madoka, definitely. And uh, like it's like, are you sure you want to do this? You might end up becoming the very thing that you were fighting. And, you know, <laughs> that was uh, Madoka. The other one was, oh, my God, this horrible anime, Magical Girl Raising Project. <laughs> where basically it's like, oh, hey, here, you can become a magical girl. We've got too many magical girls. You better kill each other. It's like, okay, th that was the no-holds-barred battle to the death. And the last reference was, I don't know if it would be considered Magical Girl, but I think it's in the same vein, Maihime. Yeah, um, Maihime is definitely part of the uh, the canon, in, at least according to Sparkle Side Chats. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, okay, so I see, yeah, you didn't enjoy those as much, which is fine, you know. <laughs> I like Maihime. I mean, I love Shizune and Natsuki. Uh, I just wanted to point out that darker aspect of it, of what happens when you lose. You mm. know, like that, that one darker aspect. And then, of course, there was... It was hard for me to watch Madoka. I like happy things, you know? And I like good endings. Like happy endings. Mm -hmm. And uh, Raising Project? No. Just no. <laughs> This is very interesting because we have just had episodes about both Madoka and Raising Project with people who are fans of both those. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to get other perspectives. Of course, none of these series are for everyone. But uh, yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, I do like the combat and all that stuff in uh, Madoka. It was just I wanted a happier ending. That's all. <laughs> well, some people might argue that Madoka had a happy ending, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> How long have you been releasing Academe? Well, shoot, we started exactly, well, about November 2019. We started the first initial sketches and creating of the characters. And eventually we got to a point where we had enough character references and I had like a good world built. Because I like to build a world first before... I throw characters in it so I can have a sandbox to play in writing-wise. Then, you know, like filling in plot holes. Like, okay, well, if this happens, then it should be this, da-da-da-da-da. And uh, after some months, we eventually released. Then we made the switch and uh, launched October of uh, last year, October 2020. So now how regularly are you posting episodes of the webtoon every week we do 40 panels and i have a whole team so i'll do the initial script and all the ideas the references and i'll shoot that down to joseph junior style who will basically do like a storyboard and will shoot it to me for approval and i'll be like okay that's not really what i was thinking but how about this or let's make it this angle you know kind of like a a movie producer would approach a scene and once that's completed then it gets like sketched completely approved again sent to the next person who does the lines and then that gets sent to the final person who does the colors and then it gets edited and chopped up into the webtoons format and then we post hmm wow so you have like a whole system going that's pretty interesting you have a whole team of uh, great people. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, I did kind of want to ask them since I guess you would be primarily responsible for the writing aspect. So in this world, at least from what I could see at the beginning, Tori is going to a Japanese school. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. See, the city that Tori is from is based off an actual city. There's a, a city in Japan, the northernmost part in the Aomori Prefecture, which is called Misawa. And I was actually stationed there 
And so I named the city Hisawa. And Tori's mom was stationed at the base in Hisawa because it's an Air Force base. And, you know, then she met Tori's dad and fell in love. I see. This is actually something that's very curious. So, of course, magical girls, as we know them, primarily come from Japan. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of Western fans. (laughs) We have a lot of examples of other, like... For example, in Europe, we have many Western Magical Girl series that are featuring a very diverse cast of characters. And there is definitely some diversity as well in academe. But uh, I guess because you're the first example of this, I kind of wanted to ask you about why you decided to set your story in Japan and in particular have a a half-Japanese main character. Because I've never seen it done before. I wanted to put it in that part of Japan because I'm very familiar with it because I've been there. There are places in the comic that are actual places you can go see in Japan. Like the place where Tori is training and flying over. That's a that's a marshland in the Aomori Prefecture near Misawa. And that one episode where Tori is in front of a book, that's an actual... A memorial museum that you can go see and that's like a monument to a very famous writer and director over in japan hmm, that's very interesting that makes sense <laughs> yeah we don't have a lot of half japanese magical girls there are some but not a lot so you said that nanohat was one of the uh, influences of academe but what are your other influences for this story well it's a great deal of of Nanaha in terms of like the action and stuff like that but also like the more martial artsy aspect of Precure. I love those two aspects and I want to put them in into scenes and stuff like that but also at the same time I want to tell a good story. Influences? Just mainly those and um, I have a little bit of influence from Ruby because I'm a big fan of that series as well. Oh okay. I have a crazy story as to what set me upon actually coming up with the idea to even start a comic. Well, I would love to hear it if you're willing to share. (laughs) Sure. So, back in 2017, I went to RTX, the Rooster Teeth convention. And I went there because I really wanted to meet the, the voice actors of Blake and Yang. And I really wanted to tell them how much the show meant to me. And so I went there and I wasn't able to really see them because they were selling tickets or not really selling tickets, but they only gave out so many. I was like, you know what? Okay. So I worked up the courage because I had severe social anxiety. This was baptism by fire. I went to jump on the Ruby Q&A on the final day, like a Hail Mary pass. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. This is now or never. And I managed to jump in line fast enough and sit near the microphone to where I could jump on there. And I told them the story about how when I came out to my parents and my hmm. family and how that did not go very well at all. And I was basically abandoned and ostracized because, you know, I live in the Bible Belt of the South and uh, they don't really like the gays down here. (laughs) So, yeah, I told them that there was only so many things that brought light into my life and their show was one of them. And the voice actors immediately got off the panel ran down the aisle and gave me a group hug. Oh, that's so lovely. And after the panel, like after, you know, after this touching moment, it went on and on and and they all signed this figure for me of Yang. And after all that, I couldn't go anywhere around the convention because there were thousands of people in that room. And every one of them, like, noticed me because my horrible face was blasted all over the screen. And so people just kept randomly coming up to me over and over and over again. It's like, you were really brave for what you said. And, you know, even though your family didn't accept you, 
you're part of the Rooster Teeth family and we accept you. And people were just giving me hugs. And I was just so overcome with emotion and so touched that when I left, I was like, I want to make something that, you know, touches people like this. Something that someone can enjoy. And create a fan base of of loving people like this I just got it in my mind I remember being back at the hotel getting ready to pack and go home and just thinking I want to make something I don't know what it is so for the next three years I tried various things I tried getting into animation learning different things I tried over and over and over again and each thing that I tried to do completely failed miserably and I ended up wasting like so much money trying to do this and then eventually one time I was sitting down and thinking I was like you know what what about a webcomic I could try that but what would I make and so I was I was watching Nanaha because I watched it a long time ago and decided to watch again the one thing that irked me about Nanaha was fate and Nanaha have such a strong relationship they're obviously more than just friends i mean when they're older they share the same apartment they sleep in the same bed they practically raise a child together and then you want to tell me that they're just friends that really got under my skin and so i started doing research you know, I tried uh, Simfo gear. A lot of it's bait. They'll make you think that the characters are there, but they won't actually come out and say it. Now, here's a shocking fact for you. When you think of gay magical girls, what's the first ones that come to mind that's mainstream? Well, the only big ones that are actually a couple, 100% Uranus and Neptune from Sailor Moon. I knew you were going to say that, but you want to know a startling fact? They've never kissed on screen. Ah. I don't think they've done it in the manga either. I can neither confirm nor deny because I haven't read it, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like a big rainbow-colored Thanos, I was like, I must do this. I must make this right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and that is how I decided to make a Magical Girl webcomic. Hmm. That's unashamedly gay because there's nothing else out there. Yeah, that makes sense. There's, yeah, I definitely would agree. I I have that vibe when I read it that it is very much unapologetically gay, (laughs) which is great. Hell yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which I guess kind of leads us to the next thing, which is who would you say is the target audience of Academe? Well, anyone who wants to read it, really. But there is a big influence in the Yuri community, obviously. And, you know, the magical girl community. I have a lot of Yuri reviewers that are on Twitter that, you know, I talk to regularly and I follow them. They follow me. And when I first launched, I said, hey, I'm going to give you all a cameo in my webcomic if you, you know, retweet my announcement that it launches. (laughs) And then boom, you know, like they all jumped in on it and they retweeted and they talked about it and. And all that good stuff. And ended up getting a lot of followers. The initial launch. Hey, networking 101. That's great. I got that idea from the my favorite webtoon that I follow, Mage and Demon Queen. Hmm. But yeah, so I think it's, uh, yeah, so far very exciting. Definitely very gay. Uh, one thing that was really great about the webtoon is seeing the comments from other readers where it's very clear that it has a big impact and a lot of people really appreciate that uh, they have this representation. I really love the comments. I'll constantly like refresh throughout the day and look for new comments and be like, yeah, I've read through every comment. And then every once in a while, I don't want to sound vain. I just like to hear, you know, what people say about it. And I'll go back and I'll look at the comments from the first episode you know yeah no that totally makes sense i would do the same (laughs) yeah oh by the way i forgot to ask you how did you find your team well 
I'm a pretty active role player and I'm constantly coming up with like personal characters to role play or whatever and just play around. And you know, I've been role playing since the age of AOL. <laughs> and it's helped <laughs> me become a better writer of it, uh, effectively. <laughs> and you know, I met Joseph and he was doing a commission for me and I liked his pricing. And I said, hey, how would you like to make, you know, this much a month and you and me work on a webcomic? And he was like, I really like that. And that will help me out a lot. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, I live in Venezuela and it's really hard here right now. He basically said that I saved his life by basically bringing him onto this project and, and paying him constantly. It's pretty crappy in Venezuela right now. And through him, I met the other members of the team. And, you know, he told them that I'm a nice person. I'm not going to screw them over because he was working with me for so many months. And, you know, they joined and I, you know, I started giving them as much as I could while being able to support myself. So whatever I had left over in my pocket, it was going to them. Because they're helping me here. And at the same time, I'm helping them. You know, I try to be the best person I can for them. And then they just deliver this amazing work. I've had so many people say, this artwork is amazing. I'm like, yeah, I know. I work with some really great people. <laughs> yeah, the art is very lovely, very clean and so on. You can tell it's a great group effort. Yeah. <laughs> so have you done any work I guess, outside of Magical Girls? Um, Story-wise? Yeah. Hmm. As a matter of fact, I'm working on something right now. Oh, great. Another webcomic, you know, I was introduced to two more people. And right, these people are also just as amazing. And they also could use the help. So it's like, yeah, let's do this. You know, I've got some Patreons to help out. Let's do this. So we're working on a basically a, a, a mixture of sci-fi and wild western or spaghetti western. Hmm. With uh, also mixing in the subgenre of of girls with guns. Hmm. Sounds yeah. good. <laughs> oh, actually, that reminds me. So, of course, um, you kind of briefly mentioned it before, but you were or are in the military? I was. Yes, I was. was. Okay. Yeah. So... I was wondering if you have seen, I guess it came out last year, Magical Girl Spec Ops Asuka? No, I have not. Oh, that is a specifically military-centered Magical Girl series. It is huh. definitely on the darker side. I think I saw a clip of it, like someone losing an arm or an eye or something, and I was like, That what? probably happened, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it's basically... Um, Goodness, I've only seen one episode, but it has the idea there's an actual war between Earth and this like other world. And so these magical girls are like members of the military. It's an interesting take, I think, because it's it's like very politicized and so on. But yeah, just I just was wondering if you've had that experience of watching it. But I'd be curious what a magical girl former military <laughs> would actually think of it yeah yeah i haven't seen it yet but i mm. mean there are a lot of magical girls shows that are trying to be the next modica you know because it was so successful let's see how dark we can get <laughs> yeah it's an interesting approach and i mean there are people who enjoy it so it's trying to do some interesting narrative things but i haven't watched it enough to actually have like a full opinion of, of it if that makes sense you know the the reason i enjoyed nanoha striker so much was because it it was like a, a magical girl military hmm. Hmm. nanoha was much older and she was training the next generation of magical girls kind of thing oh i see and so it's they have like military looking uniforms and stuff like that it's great hmm that's very interesting I feel like I want to talk a bit more about Academe. So, uh, so far, we have, uh, we've introduced to a few Magical Girl characters. So far, as far as uh, Tori is concerned, I think she only knows about one other one, this mysterious fox girl, Kitsu. But 
I'm very curious as to how large this world is because I mean from what we've read so far we do have a little bit more information about that uh, expanded universe as it were you're actually going to learn uh, uh, the rabbit hole goes much deeper than you think <laughs> yeah so so far we did get a hint at one that Kitsu had mentioned hmm. she was a bosozoku yeah 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 there's a lot of hints and then uh who who else do you think might be a magical girl just based on your observation i think it's pretty clear at this point that uh, daiquiri bright star if she's not actually a magical girl that she is a part of that universe or aware of that universe i mean actually it's very interesting also again being able to read the comments to see who people think kitsu is yeah. Because there were a lot of people who had ideas about uh, a character who already was shown earlier being this character. and But at the same time, I guess it was episode 18 that we saw a girl that might be Kitsu or that Tori did uh, kind of think was Kitsu, but we're not sure. Yeah, not sure. I can't give no spoilers, but yeah, it's very mysterious. She looks it in the face. She's got the same hair color. I've heard so many different theories as to who Kitsu is. I heard people say that it's Kagura. I've heard one person say that it's Tori's mom, and I was like, "Oh, that would be uh, very no, awkward." <laughs> no, no, that's a very interesting theory. But I think that we can figure out by this point that there's no way that that is Tori's mother. But yeah. it would be interesting for her to be a magical girl. There are certainly plenty of magical girl series that have explored that kind of legacy of magical girls within a family and so on. Yeah. Yeah. Like Daiquiri. Daiquiri is one of my favorite characters. With Daiquiri, I wanted to make it to where whenever she first showed up, it's obvious that there's something about her. And then basically, like... You know, there's that room in the beginning where it's like, that's Bright Star's territory. You know, those ladies in the control room that were like, oh, there's a magical reading. Like uh, way back in episode like two or three. Yeah, pretty early on. I wanted to make it known that there's something about Daiquiri because of that one time where they were like, she was like, geez, you guys have it rough. We don't worry about that stuff where I'm from. <laughs> like what fantasy world are you from it's like uh uh canada <laughs> yeah that was very funny and the fact that everyone everyone buys that that is the case it's been very interesting the characters are pretty charming you have quite an interesting group i'm curious to know if for example because i mean it's definitely happened in a magical girl series before where the friends of the magical girl become magical girls too so I, I've wondered about that for um, Kaguda and uh, Ayame. They're very interesting characters, and they would make for very different magical girls than Tori. Yeah, they definitely would, you know, because Ayame likes to write uh, fan fictions about her friends. And, uh, you know, Kagura is the tomboy elite who's really big in the wrestling. Yeah, I was wondering if those characters are based on anyone in real life. No, not really. When it came to creating Ayame and Kagura, Tori is kind of a middle ground. She's she's half Japanese, she's half uh, American. She is somewhat uh, girly, but she can also be somewhat tomboyish. She's very fluid in what she likes in terms of, of clothing and and how she expresses herself. So she's kind of on the scale of butch or femme. She's right in the middle. She's futch. <laughs> yeah. Futch or actually, if you like mean girls, fetch. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to incorporate that into two different things. Tori's friends and her costume. Hmm. So for Tori's friends, Kagura is very tomboyish and Ayame she is very feminine so Tori's friends are one of each side of Tori you know like how she likes to present herself so she has two friends that are the same and Tori's costume from the waist down 
is very feminine. There's a skirt, stockings with, you know, cute little bows. But from the waist up is very princely and kind of masculine with the coat and the little tie thing going on. Hmm, that makes sense. Yeah. Of course, also her, her label as the king of kings is a very interesting choice for a magical girl as well. Yeah, I was I was thinking about that and I was just like, you know what? I mean, they've done it in Fate Stay Night. Why don't I just do it? Hmm. And Fate Stay Night, you know, obviously Saber was King Arthur. I mean, it's not really so much. It's just the title of her power. And I actually had a really nasty person just in the comment section one time. I don't know if you saw that guy. I did not. No. Got downvoted into oblivion and then his comment got eventually removed because he was <laughs> talking about this is some some feminist propaganda or something like that. Like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> butchering gender roles where I don't know if I should be giving credence to this person. I just thought it was funny. You know, mm-hmm. it's like I see the word king as divine masculine. So oh she should goodness. be a queen, which I see as divine feminine. And I'm like, what is going on here, dude? <laughs> Calm down, bro. I mean, of course, first oh, yeah. of all, yeah, like no one asked him. But also, yeah, I think it's I think it's important to acknowledge, especially as like an independent creator. Of course, there's bound to be backlash. Yeah, especially when queer creators are doing these kind of stories and so on. Like, this series is so unapologetically gay. But I guess it would be considered abrasive for people who are a bit more homophobic or misogynist, which is, you know, too bad for them. But it's okay. We don't need them to be reading it. <laughs> yeah, you know, like like I said from the very beginning when I was making this, it's like, I didn't get enough gay in my Magical Girl stuff. I'm going to be totally gay in this, you know? Like, why not? Exactly, yeah. I'm going to have fun with it. When I write, I write something that I think I would enjoy. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I think a lot of creators kind of have that in mind when they're making stuff. It's, I think, especially considering, like, for example, when we were younger, we didn't get to have these things. So now the next generation can enjoy these kinds of stories yeah. from us. Yeah. You know, and one thing I used to complain you know, like whenever they would do all this like Yuri baiting and stuff like that, or I would see people complain like, how come they didn't do this? Or how come they didn't add in a gay character? How come they didn't, you know, go through with this? You know, why did they kill their gay characters? And mm. the one thing I kept seeing from, you know, these people and their constant closing argument was, you need to respect the creators and their decision. If you don't like it, go make your own video game. <laughs> go make your own movie hmm. so that's what i did i made my own web comic yeah yeah <laughs> that i would enjoy you know i mean it's my own writing but i do go back i, I don't want to seem like i'm full of myself but I, I do go back and i'll read it and i'll still i still find it fun to see you know all this other stuff yeah no that totally makes sense i mean obviously not everyone who wants to see these characters can go and just make their own thing and everyone has yeah. a right to comment. Yeah, especially like you said, there's just a lot of baiting in a lot of series. So it's great. I had a reader that was actually half Japanese, half American. Hmm. Or, or half American or half you know, European. I forget what it was. But they said that it was nice to see a main character that is like them. And I was like, wow, you know, th- that's cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I said, we don't have a lot of them. They're just, there are very few half Japanese magical girls. Precure has two, three now, but we still need more, so. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we can get to our our last question. So do you have a magical persona? Or if have you imagined yourself as a magical girl? Hmm. I have... And uh, I am kind of going to make her a mild insert. You know, not really a main character, but just a fun character to play, uh, you know, to play around with. Just a, you know, because I thought it'd be funny to uh, make a character that had the, 
the way I designed the comic and, and the magical girls and their powers is all, it's like a whole system to it. Because whenever I made things, I made it with role players in mind. I wanted to give them the tools to, whenever they read the comic and they enjoy it, they can very easily take the rule sets that I have placed out for this world that I have created. And they can make their own original characters, their own magical girls, based off of the rules in this this setting. So I definitely did that in mine, and I'm making... I'm making mine. Um, my own little persona, she'd be. But basically, she is kind of like a tinker. She likes to make things, but she blends magic and technology. Oh, interesting. And does she have a, a name yet? So we can look forward to her seeing her later in the comic? Yes, she does. She does. And it's actually mentioned. Oh, okay. Great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Remember whenever Mia and Daiquiri got angry faces and said uh, Sable. Ah, I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So then uh, people can look forward to seeing that in the comic later on. Yeah. That will be way, <laughs> way, way later. Probably okay. like season two. Ooh, like, okay. Cause I have a lot of ideas to do at least four seasons so far. Mm, I have that much that thought out and planned out. Hmm. I see. Great, great. Well, Definitely uh, looking forward to continuing to read Academe and uh, seeing that representation. So if people want to check out Magical Girl Academe, where can they find it? And also, how can they support this comic? Well, um, they can go to Webtoons and type in Magical Girl Academe. That's A-C-A-D-E-M-E. And Academe, the name, is basically, it actually has a point to the story itself. The first school, you know, Plato, mm -hmm. uh, he basically taught the first school and created the first academy. Well, where he first taught was a grove called Academe, named after the Greek hero Academus. So hmm. there's actual meaning and it will actually have something to it. But it's uh, A-C-A-D-E-M-E and they can uh, look it up on Webtoons. Mm-hmm. And it should be the only one called Magical Girl Academe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, so if they want to support you or your team, how can people do that? Well, uh, we have a Patreon. You know, for $5, you can you can donate $1 and just be like, hey, I like this, support this, cool, love you. For $5, uh, you get access to like various different mini comics and... Uh, Artwork, special things like tutorial videos on how the drawing is done, step-by-steps. And for $10, you actually get to see the comic ahead of people. So you get early access. For more than that, then you get a little cameo and you also get to see the comic as we work on it. Like, I'm talking script, sketches, etc. Hmm. So, patreon.com slash magical girl academe great so uh war bunny thank you very much for coming to talk to me about your comic thank you thank you for having me yeah of course Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Please subscribe, rate, and review if you like it, and don't forget to tell your friends about the show if you think they'd be interested. If you use social media, don't forget to use the hashtag SparkleSideChats when talking about and sharing the podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at MagicalGirlAyu, spelled A-Y-U, 
And you can find me at Ayushinos, A-Y-U-S-H-E-K-N-O-W-S. You can also email us at sparklesidechats at gmail.com. Let us know if there's a topic you want covered or a fan or creator you want to hear from. Show notes can be found on your platform of choice or at anchor.fm slash sparkleside. You can also join the Discord for this podcast and talk about Magical Girls 24-7, often chatting directly with me and both previous and upcoming guests of the podcast. Just contact me for an invite link anytime, or, if you're shy, you can get a public invite every week after the latest episode is released. If you can support the podcast financially, you can buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com slash With Ko-fi membership tiers, you can get bonus content, announcements about episode topics, and your name read aloud on the podcast. Original podcast music is by Hazel. You can find her on Twitter at TwinkleParks. Thanks again for listening, and remember, you are magical.